This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. I want to welcome those joining us online. We had many joining us in the first service online and, and uh, on the radio, 90.5. So we're thankful for those medians of uh, uh, those opportunities f- to, to be able to connect uh, online. But there's just really nothing like getting in a room and, and uh, just like they did from the first century to today, uh, to walk through Scripture. We believe that everything that we do in life uh, comes from the Word of God. And we believe that uh, the, the Bible is our source of, of truth and knowledge, but it's also our way of understanding who we are and understanding who God is. And, and, um, and so this is a very impactful story because it really hits close to home. I don't know if you've ever made a mistake. Have you ever had a moment where you promised God you would never do something again and you did it? I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you just felt like, man, I cannot believe I just said what I said. I can't believe I just thought what I thought. I can't believe I just did what I did. But Peter was feeling like he was a mistake. He just, you can tell through what he says and what he does in this passage, he feels like it was a mistake for God to choose him to lead the church. And Jesus is showing up, and by the way, Jesus always shows up right when you're in those moments of of guilt and shame. And Jesus expresses to Peter, and this is part two of what we were studying last week, and that is he was just expressing, Peter, you're not a mistake. You made a mistake, but you're not a mistake. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but whatever sin you've committed, whatever you've done, whatever you're ashamed of, whatever you're struggling with, it's not beyond the grace of God. You're not too far gone. And that's the message to Peter as well. And so he asked Peter after they've eaten some, some breakfast, some bread and some fish, and I don't know what else they had, but that's what's listed in the passage. And in verse number 15, it, after they had dined, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Let's pray. God, help us to understand, Lord, how you transform us from the inside out. You don't transform us from the outside in, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that that you address the heart matter that is contributing to everything that's going on outside and around me. But Lord, I'm thankful that you get to the root of it. Thank you for loving us when we feel unlovable. Thank you for loving us in our deepest moment of of disgust. In our moments where we've denied you, in our moments where we've turned our back on you, Jesus, thank you for your unconditional love. But Lord, you love us enough not not to leave us where we are. And so Lord, today as we talk about this transformational love, this transforming love, would you restore us into right relationship with you? And I pray that if there's one here online or in the room, that Lord has never received you as their Lord and Savior, Lord, that they would place their faith in you today alone. And Lord, I pray that you would just speak through your word. Lord, as you have poured into me through this passage, would you just through your spirit pour into others 
help no one to walk into this room or log on to this uh, passage of, and hear this passage of Scripture, Lord, who would be unaware of your love, that would be unopen to what you want to do in their heart, in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. What if I walked up to you in a grocery store or maybe a restaurant and, and uh, you know, we, we happen to be shopping or eating at the same place and I was like, you know, hey, how's it going? Good to see you, you know? And, and what if, I'm not saying this would ever happen, but what if you were maybe with some friends and, and you're like, how do I explain that this guy is my pastor, you know? And I mean, I, you know, you know I just don't know. And, and, and what if, okay, I, you were just like, do I know you? Well, hey, man, come on, man. You go to my church. Like, hey, this is awesome. Like, hey, and you're like, I, I, don't, I don't know this guy. Do you guys know this guy? And we went through this awkward thing where it was like three different times. I'm like, no, 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 we know each other. And you're like, man, I think you got the wrong guy. That's exactly what happened with Peter right before the crucifixion. I mean, he was literally standing with an earshot uh, there in Caiaphas' house. I mean, I've stood right where he was standing. I, I, I've seen how close it was. It was unbelievable. Uh, Peter's trying to, trying to you know, keep tabs on Jesus, trying to be a tough guy. But it was tough to be a tough guy when they're beating him to a pulp in front of you. And so here's Peter and, and, and this little girl. And I love that, that God uses a little girl to humble Peter. And Peter's this big, burly guy. I mean, uh, church historians tell us that, 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 that Peter uh, was, was the strongest of the disciples, save Luke. Every time Luke is pictured, in fact, I have a picture of me next to a statue of Luke, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the historian and doctor. He's always, he's always pictured next to an ox. You ever, that guy's like an ox, man. He's built like an ox. You know, he's just, he's, that's where we get the yoked. You, know, you, you don't look at a scrawny, you know, uh, you know, 50-pound dude and say, you know, he's yoked. No, 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 no. Uh, Peter, Luke, I mean, these guys were men's men. And here's a little girl saying, hey, hey. I, I think you know him. In fact, you, you have an accent. You have an accent. You, you talk just like a Galilean. You're one of them. And Peter, no, I don't. And he's cursing and he's trying to do everything he can so that he's not built, so he's not beat to a pulp like Jesus is being. So it's this awkward encounter. He's, def, he's really defying and denying Jesus that he even knows him. He's turning his back on Jesus in the most important hour. Jesus had said this would happen. And the trigger moment is, is the rooster crowing, right? Now, I grew up in Iowa, all right? And uh, you're like, that explains a lot. Okay, all right, all right, let's get past that. And, and, and when, you, when you walk out in the morning, it doesn't matter where you live, but pretty much everywhere in Iowa, you walk out in the morning and, I mean, you just, there it is. I mean, you know, just the roosters are, are crowing all over. And it's, you know, some, some places there's a lot. And I mean, it's just like, they're just going back and forth like a chorus, like a choir of roosters in the morning, okay? Um, we used to have chickens at our house and, until they, one by one this last year, died of coronavirus. That's the story that my boys say. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Um, but uh, we, we, we had three of them and, and, and they all have uh, since gone to chicken heaven. And, uh, but, but I will tell you that I didn't realize, I, I forgot how loud chickens are. Cause I'm like, we don't have a rooster. We can have, you know, chickens in the city and you know, it's fine. No one's going to, you know, that's not going to be a problem. I don't know if it's against the rules or not. We don't have them anymore if it is, but, um, but you know, they're loud. 
loud. And, and every time from the moment that he denied Jesus, every morning he was, he was awakened by his failure. Think about that. Every morning he would wake up and, and, and have you ever been dreaming and it was like a terrible dream? You wake up in like a cold swell. Oh, 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 that was just a dream, man. Oh my goodness. Thank the Lord. That was just a dream. You've never had that happen to you? Am I the only one that that's ever happened? You guys are like, no, no, that's never happened to me. Okay. All good dreams here. That's awesome. All right. But Peter, every morning when the rooster crowed, he was reminded of his failure. Every morning, you're a failure. Every morning, Peter, you're never going to amount to anything. And I don't know about you, but maybe Satan has gotten into your head recently like he has mine and said, hey, remember that one time when you said? Remember that one time when, when, when you were supposed to? Remember that one time when you promised God you would never and you did? I don't know if you've had those moments where Satan kind of whispers in your ear. By the way, it's always Satan. He's the accuser of the brethren, Revelation says. But I don't know if you've ever had a moment where he's told you, you're a mistake. You're a failure. Man, you'll never amount to anything. You're zero. You're trash. You're just washed up. God can't use you. And so he's in the boat fishing, trying to develop some sort of self-worth because he didn't feel worthy. And so he's trying to do the one thing that he used to be good at, and he can't do it all night in his favorite fishing spot, and he's got nothing. And so last week, you can go back and listen to it, we developed how that was and what, what that led him uh, to, to, to encounter God in incredible ways. By the way, every, every deficiency in your life, every area where you're like, like, like me, like, man, I'm, I'm struggling. I got, I got some issues. I got some things that I'm dealing with. All of these things. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. Man, I need Jesus, right? All of those areas are areas where God wants to meet me. He, he's standing there waiting for me to be open and transparent and honest enough to say, hey, I have issues and I need Jesus. And so religion says, pretend like you have nothing wrong. Religion says, hey, you just, you just try to trick everyone into believing that, 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 that you got it all taken care of, that you got everything summed up and ready to go and tie a good little bow on it and just call it a day. What ends up happening is things like a pandemic happen and things like a family tragedy happen and things that really, really disappoint you or really, really make you upset happen. And it starts to show that, wow, Maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was. And here you have Peter thinking that, that maybe I'm not as strong as, and maybe I'm not, man, I, I can't, I, I couldn't even have a moment of strength when they asked me if I knew Jesus, and now I can't even fish. I can't even do what I was doing before I met Jesus. Like, really? Is this how it's going to work? And Jesus shows up. And Jesus is standing there on the shore of Galilee and, and, and he engages with him. And he says, hey, come, let's, let's eat some of the fish I helped you catch. <laughs> and, and, and they sit down and they eat 
And then there's a moment, we know he had a private conversation with God before. We don't know what's said in that, but the men to the road of Emmaus said, hey, they, Simon and, and, and Jesus have had a conversation. So we know they had a conversation. We don't know exactly what it was, but we do know that now Jesus is going to reinstate him as the leader of the church. By the way, Peter was not the first pope. Peter, according to the word of God, was the first pastor of the church there in Jerusalem. Then James would be the pastor of of the church in Jerusalem. So Peter was a leader in the church put there by God because he was the first to confess Christ. Meaning Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you're the son of God. And he said, hey, Peter, that was the right answer, but it was God that showed you that was the right answer. (laughs) Good job, but that was God telling you that. And he said, but because God revealed that to you first, you're going to get the keys to the kingdom, meaning you're going to be the one to lead the church to do what I've called the church to do. Now, we have starting point lunch right after this. Some some of you are going. If you haven't gone, man, please feel free uh, to come down to the cafe and, and, and go. What we, we talk about is, hey, what is the church here for? Like, why are we here? Not my idea of why we're here, but why did Jesus make the church? Like, was it, was it man's idea? Is this just a big scheme? Is it, what is it? What is the church? Why are we here? Okay. What do we do? Why are we here? So that's what starting point's all about. But in this passage, Jesus is going to remind Peter of why he's on this planet. And in reminding him, he's also going to let us know how we can be transformed, how we can show love to one another, how we can follow him. So there's just two, there's two points, okay? And I whittled it down. Used to to be three, now it's two, okay? So I want you to cross out three and I want you to put two. And the reason I want you to do that is because I want you to feel like, hey, listen, we're on on board here, okay? So number one, the two ways to be transformed, there's only two and they work hand in hand. Number one, okay, is we love God by loving others. How are we transformed and restored every time it's we love God by loving others? And you say, that's, that's like the number one. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the second one, I'm going to tell you in a minute, okay? But it's, it's following Jesus. Now, you can't love Jesus without following him. And you can't follow him without loving him. They go hand in hand. And so we'll see that. But, but, but when I say love Jesus by loving him, listen, the word love in English can mean lots of different things. I hope my love for, for blueberry donuts is not the same amount of love as my love for my wife, Danielle, of 15 years, okay? So I, I hope that our love is, is a little bit deeper than my love for bread, right? I always tell you, you know? And so the word love here, when he says, do you love me, Peter? Lovest thou me more than these? The word love is the word agapao or agape love. It's the deepest kind of love. It is deep-seated commitment. It is commitment with no strings attached. It's unconditional affection. And it demonstrates a self-sacrificial motive. So it's it's, I am loving you with, with no expectation of anything in return. He's like, Peter, do you love me with this kind of love? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you, but he doesn't use the same love, agapo or agapao. He uses this word, phileo. 
Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, which they who live there, I don't know if this is true or not, but they say the city of brotherly shove. I don't know if that's you know developed over the years. I don't know why they say that. Um, every time I've been there, it seemed pretty nice, but uh, food's great. Uh, but uh, phileo is the word he responded. So in this conversation, Jesus is saying, hey, do you love me with this kind of unconditional love? Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, Lord, you know that I can't say that because I just denied you. That's what this is saying. So, Lord, you know that I respect you. You know that I admire you. You know that I want to be close to you. You know that I want to have a close relationship with you. But, Lord, you know I can't say agape because agape is proven. Agape is action. And that's the difference between phileo and agape. Phileo is words. Phileo is, 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 a, is a connection that you have. Phileo can be given right away. Agape is proven. Agape is sacrificial. And, and, and Peter said, Lord, you know I've, I've, I've failed you. I can't agape you. So Lord, yes, of course I phileo you. And Jesus backs up and says, well, well, wait a second. Let me ask this another way. Because when, at the very first time he said, okay, well, if you, if you do phileo me, then you'll feed my lambs. We'll talk about the significance of that later. Then he says, do you agape me? He asks again and he said, yes, I phileo you. But again, I can't say in front of all these guys who know that I don't agape you right now. I want to agape you, but, but all I can give you right now is phileo. And then in verse number 19, and you can see it. I'm sorry, verse number 17. He says a third time to Simon, lovest thou me? But this time he uses phileo. And he says, Peter, do you even admire me? Peter, do you, do you want to be close to me? If you really do want to be close to me, don't just feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And this time he doesn't use just the word feed as in give nutrients, but he says, I want you to tend. I want you to guide. I want you to lead my sheep. And so Jesus is telling Peter how he wants Peter to love because he's just shown Peter the love he wants Peter to give. God, does never, God never tells you what he wants you to do without giving you an explanation, without showing you how to do it. And so he's like, hey, listen, I'm showing you love. I'm showing up in a moment of trial. I'm showing up in a moment of, of total guilt and shame and, and devastation. And I'm giving you the love that I want you to turn around and give to others. I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to tend my flock. I want you to give this love to others. I want you to show to them what I have given to you. And so what does this look like in our lives? What does this look like in our marriages and in our families? How do we show the love that Jesus has shown to us? You see, Peter in this moment is, is, is trying to forgive not just himself for what he's done, but he's trying to figure out, okay, how in the world can I be restored? And Jesus is saying, I am restoring you to the purpose that I called you out of from this exact ship on this exact lake. I believe it was the exact same fishing spot that, that Jesus had called him in. And you can read it in Luke 5 when he's called uh, Peter and Andrew out. He says, hey, don't fish for men. I want you to 
fish, don't fish for fish. I want you to fish for men. I want you to pull men to me. I want you to tell men their greater purpose in living. And so here's a key thought. Loving God transforms us. It always transforms us. When you love God, when you praise God, when you, when you show affection to God, it transforms us. But loving others is when we're restored. We're only restored when we are starting to pour out to others what we desire most from them. Now, let me, let me illustrate it this way. Jesus is forgiving Peter. This is a moment of restoration and forgiveness. Forgiveness is me giving to you what I wish you would give to me. And in this passage, we see how Peter is set free from the bondage of guilt and shame and condemnation. It is the same moment of freedom that Paul had when he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this death? Who shall deliver me from this horrific life of sinning and sinning and sinning and repenting and repenting and repenting and sinning? And, and he says this in, in, in Romans. You can read it, Romans 8.1. He says, There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, to those that walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. He says, Listen, I have been freed from the weight of my my sin because Jesus came and paid for it and he came and offered me the forgiveness that I so desperately wanted and needed. And so forgiveness is setting the prisoner free to only realize that the prisoner was me. To only realize that I was the one in bondage to what was happening to me. And a great illustration of this, one of the greatest was, uh, happened about six years ago in the, in the uh, city of Charleston. You may have remembered this story, but I want you to be reminded of this horrific event. Back in 2015, 12 people were shot during a Bible study at the Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Only three of them survived. And just two days later, many of the families somehow found it in their hearts to forgive the shooter. A lot of us were trying to figure out how that could be, and for most of us, forgiveness would not come easy. So how did those families who lost so much find that power, the power of forgiveness? I headed to Charleston to meet with three extraordinary women. This is what they said. I know that we're all people, and you feel the same pain, and you feel the same hope. So, Polly, for you, the idea, I would think that you'd be livid, angry, want revenge, want to just take the guy by the throat, you know? I was that way at first. But then I thought about Felicia. Felicia had lost her son. And I said, if she could forgive, why are you so hard-hearted you can't forgive? Hmm. So from that day on, I had a release. Because forgiveness is like, you think you're letting somebody else off the hook, but you're actually letting yourself off the hook. Because if you keep it, there's no healing with hatred. You have to love each other. That's our second commandment. You have to love each other. Yes. You have to love each other like you want to be loved. Like God has loved you. And so forgiveness is giving the love that someone else doesn't deserve, but, but because you have been given love that you don't deserve. Forgiveness is me saying, God, I'm going to release this to you into your hands. I'm going to let you be the judge in this situation. I'm, I'm just going to love them the way that you have loved me. And every time we withhold love in our relationships, every time we withhold love, we are sending the, the loudest communication of rejection. 
And God has accepted you so that you could turn around and say, listen, you don't deserve this acceptance, but I'm going to give you this love and acceptance. Now, listen, there is a very clear difference between our love and acceptance and our trust. You don't have to give trust, but, but God wants you to give love. And so here's an action item, and here's something that you can kind of grab onto. Uh, assess your love for God and for others by looking at how eager, by, by judging how eager you are to forgive others. Are you quick to forgive? Are you making short accounts with those closest to you, with God? Or, or are you holding on to something that happened three years ago? Or, or every time you see this person, every time you, you, you experience you know, you, those, those emotions again, and they're powerful. And so we love Jesus by loving others. But number two, and finally today, we follow Jesus by unfollowing fiction. Now, one of the proofs of this text is that it is not written in a, in a way that you would normally write. It's giving details, 153 fish and all of these things. It, it's not giving you what you would necessarily even want to or even need to know if you were just writing a story. And so for the people who say that the Bible is just full of fairy tale and fiction, uh, it really is counterintuitive because this is written with so many verifiable details that if anyone who was reading the story who knew anything about this, they could have said, well, that's not true. But really, the, the great fiction that's pointed out is the fiction of what Peter was believing about himself and about others. You see, Jesus says, hey, Peter, you're going to be made a leader, but then you're going to, and later on in your life, you're going to die. And you can read this in verse number 18 through 19. And he says, you're going to die a death of crucifixion. They're going to carry you. You're going to stretch out your arms. You're going to die this way. You're going to die for me. And it was encouraging to Peter because Peter knew that he wouldn't deny God again, that he would actually go and die and be, and be courageous. And so that was a moment of confidence building for him. But, but then he starts, starts painting this picture based on who was around him. So I want you to see this. The first thing we have to unfollow in order to follow Jesus, the first type of fiction is to unfollow the fiction of comparison. Look at verse number 20. He starts comparing himself. Verse number 20 says, of chapter 21, Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, Following, and this is, of course, John. He described himself as the one who Jesus loved, which every disciple is the one who Jesus loved, but I love how he described himself that way. The very end of the verse says, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Then Peter, see, the saying to him, what should you do to this man? Like, what about John? You're telling me how I'm going to die. You know, what about John? And, and Jesus, look at what he says in verse 21, or verse 22. If I will that he tarry until I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, whoa, Peter, hold on, time out. Don't compare yourself to that person. Don't, don't put yourself into that trap. Don't build this, this idea of, well, I'm going to die this way, but how is he going to die? Don't decide whether or not you're a failure or success based on the failures and successes of other people. Now, church family, let me just help you with something right here. We live in a society that literally uses 
the, the and, and I love social media, we use it, and I'm not uh, preaching against that, but I'm telling you, it is really dangerous because now you're not just comparing yourself to your literal neighbors. Now you can compare yourself to anyone you can find online. And it's so dangerous because what we end up doing is instead of following Jesus and what he's told us we need, we start looking around and we say, oh, I need that. Oh, that person had, oh, look at what they did. Oh, they did that. I, be, I, better, I better start, you know, up in my game in that area. Or, 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 or man, you start comparing your defeats. You start, oh, man, it looks, I don't think they have any problems with their kids. Little do you know, they have every problem that you have and more. But, but when we start comparing ourselves to other people, what we do is we rob ourselves of our joy and fulfillment in Christ because we're no longer following Jesus. We're following those people closest to us. And Jesus says, hey, hey, Peter, don't compare yourself to the others. Now, we know that this comparison trap was what, what he was falling into. And, and, and Jesus is even kind of trying to help Peter with this when he says, hey, Peter, in verse number 15, do you love me more than these? What are the these? Now, some scholars say that it could be the disciples, but he would have said, do you love me more than these men, probably, or them, I believe that Jesus was talking about the fish, the boats, the nets. Hey, Peter, do you love me enough to not fish? Hey, Peter, do you love me enough to give up something else that you love? Hey, hey Peter, do you love me enough to, to, to not go that way, but, but go the way that I've asked you to go? Can you leave your nets again and follow me? Hey, hey, Peter, what's it going to take to derail you again from following me? He was really having a, a, a personal moment. He said, hey, you want to be in a comparison mode? Well, try to compare your love to what else you love. And, 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 and that's the comparison. See, in our world today, we're constantly comparing. We're constantly trying to size ourselves up with the people around us. There was a CBS poll taken last year, and this is so fascinating to me. It's just funny how we compare ourselves. 85% of Americans think that they look better than the average person. They're better looking. <laughs> you know, I mean, some of you guys are actually sitting here thinking, you know, I look better than that guy. I mean, come on. I mean, look at that. I mean, you know, we all compare ourselves. But here's the funny thing. That is actually impossible for 85% of Americans to actually be better looking than the average person. There is no average person now, right? And here's another one. Uh, I think it was 94% of Americans think they're better drivers than the average driver. <laughs> Isn't that so funny? I mean, we all think, you know, everyone's a terrible driver except for us. See, what happens is we're really, really bad at self-assessment, but we're really, really good at others' assessment. We're really, really good at telling other people where they're wrong. We're really, really good at, sh at showing other people what they need to get right. We're really, really good at pointing out everyone else's flaws. Oh, but when it comes to ours, what flaws, right? And so Jesus is saying to Peter, hey, you worry about you, Peter. Don't worry about John. If I want him to be, to be here until I come back, what is that to you? And so he's pointing out this fictional idea that, that Peter was putting in his head, this, this, this grandiose dream that, that if he was going to die this way, then certainly John would have to die a gruesome death as well, right? And, and, and Jesus is thinking to myself, little does he know, John's going to die of old age. But it's not 
their story that matters. It's your story. It's your journey with Jesus. And so following Jesus, it's going to have ups and it's going to have downs. And so that's why someone once said, don't compare yourself to someone else's today because they had a, a whole different yesterday. They had a whole different journey to get to today. Don't compare yourself to someone else's today. Compare yourself to your yesterday. How am I following Jesus today better than I was yesterday? How am I improving today than I was yesterday? That is the pathway of following Jesus. And so here's a key thought. Following Jesus is defined by unfollowing anything else that does not align in his way of living, with his way of living. Listen, our focus, when it shifts to others, comparison, uh, trying, envying, you know, trying to, try, trying to, uh, you know, get some sort of self-fulfillment by being like someone else, then our focus is off of Jesus. And so here's an action item, something practical, something you hold on to, and that is this. In order to release ourselves from this comparison trap, I believe one of the greatest ways, the only way I know how, is to focus and meditate, write out things that you are thankful for. What are you thankful for? Uh, what has God given you? Don't, don't look at what he hasn't given you based on what everyone else has. Focus on what he has given you. And so, you know, that's important. By the way, here's a parenting key. When gratitude begins, the attitude you know, the attitude, it ends. But, but man, when, when gratitude is at an all-time low, attitudes will be at an all-time high. In me and in, in you. And so we have to back up and say, okay, how can I follow Jesus? And let her be, and finally, following Jesus is following Christ's unchanging truth. His unchanging truth. Now, when Jesus looks at Peter and says, do you love me? And Peter says, well, I admire you. Jesus then says, Peter, here's the truth. You're not disqualified. You can feed my lambs. It's the word nurture. It's the word to, to give sustenance. And the word lambs is feeble. The, the small, feeble ones. Now, I grew up in Iowa, little, little, little lambs. They're the cutest little things. In fact, here's a shepherd with a little lamb. I mean, you just, here's a shepherd with a little lamb. Just little, cute little thing. You'll pet, I mean, wouldn't you want to just go out and buy one of those? Hey, hey, pet me some more, you know? It's just, it's just, it's just a cute, like, hey, Peter, feed, feed my, little, my little lambs, my little helpless ones. You're qualified to do that, Peter. And Peter says, well, Lord, you know I admire you. I expect you. I, I, wanna, I want a relationship with you. Then he said, okay. All right, Peter, then, then you're qualified not just to feed my little lambs. I want you to feed my sheep. Now, feeding sheep are a little bit different. If you've never watched a, 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 a sheep you know, feed on apples or, or grain or whatever, here, here's a video. They, they, they literally, they take their food and they scissor it. So our mouths go up and down. Their mouths go side to side. It's the weirdest thing. They don't have front teeth. Here, here's a close-up of, 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 of a sheep just eating his food. He, he has back teeth and he has side teeth. He, he just, you know, scissor cuts that food back and forth. It's actually a pretty gruesome thing to watch. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, how are, you, how are you eating an apple sideways, right? Just like stuff falling out of the mouth. I mean, it's, it's just kind of messy. But, but, but he says, listen, 
If you can, if you can love me and, 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 and take care of my little lambs, then, then you can feed the, the, the messy, uh, just kind of a, a brutish big sheep as well. But he says, first, I need to know, do, do you even admire me? Do you even phileo me? And Peter's grieved. It doesn't say he wept, but I, I, I can't imagine him uh, just, I can imagine him just collapsing and, 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 and he's eating there with the Savior and he just says, you know all things. You know I phileo you. And Jesus leans right in and every, every uh, teacher, every rabbi would have done, whenever he says three things, the last one was the most intense. And he says, Peter, if you really love me and you really want to follow me, then I'm going to ask you, and he changes the word from nurture, from give nutrients, to I'm going to ask you to tend, to guide, to help and take care of as a shepherd, my sheep. I want you to take care of them as I have taken care of you. I don't want you just to give them the truth and feed them the truth. I want you to guide them away from air. Now, I want to help you as we close today, and that is this. The greatest air, the greatest lie, the greatest piece of deception that we're being fed every single day in this Red Letter Love series that we're trying to uncover is that you can love yourself and get away with it. But friend, I want you to know this that Jesus came to set you free of the bondage of having to love yourself before you love anyone else. And if you love God, you will love others before you love yourself. And so here's a takeaway, and that is this. Here's the takeaway. Transforming love turns our selfish transactions, the transactional kind of love, like you make me feel good, and I'll make you feel good. But if you don't make me feel good, I won't make you feel good. Like you help me and I'll help you. If you don't help me, I won't help you. <laughs> that's transactional. That's not even love. So it takes those selfish transactions and reactions. Like when someone makes you mad, you make them mad. They hurt you, you hurt them. That's not, that's not relationship, okay? That's, that's, that's a firing squad, right? That's, that's, that's aggressive behavior. And so it takes that selfish Thing we try to call love, and it turns it, it transforms it, it restores it into selfless, life-giving action. So from selfish to selfless, less focused on self. And the only way I know how to do that, and the only way I can shepherd you into doing that, is to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you haven't, and be, here's the action item, and we'll be finished. Have a plan, have a time, have a place when you read and you meditate and you apply the words of God. When you, when you say, how is this going to change the way I'm going to talk today? How is this going to change the way I talk to my children today? How is this going to change the way I view God today? How is it going to change how I view myself based on what God says about me today? And if, listen, Peter was supposed to feed the sheep. I'm, he's the chief shepherd. I'm the under shepherd. But I will tell you that if you're only eating spiritually on Sunday, you will starve. 
And so I'm inviting all of us today to open our Bibles or to open our apps and every single morning or afternoon or evening, whenever it can work for you, for you to feed your soul with the unchanging truth of God's word. Because if we stay out of this book and this book stays out of us, we will not love others. We will not love God by loving others. We will only be imprisoned by self-love. And self-love has one destination, and that is ruptured relationships and a ruined and a regretful life. And so the Bible loves us enough to say this transforming love transforms us out of a selfish nature and into a new nature, a nature focused on loving God by loving others. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.